Coming to you from the desert. The horror. <laughs> it's the little podcast of horrors with James, Christina, and Chris. I'm not talking first, you talk first. Oh, <laughs> my voice is still not perfect. <laughs> I think it's perfect. Ah, as I say, have we been out of this so long? Like we're like, it's only been two weeks, guys. We just took a little break for Thanksgiving already. We're like, what's this microphone? To my no, I'm always like this. Have you met me? <laughs> yeah, once or twice. Hey guys, welcome back to the little podcast of horrors. We took a nice little Thanksgiving break, but now we are back to present you more of the strange, macabre, and weird. Who? What was what, that? Today's going to be the weird. Today is the weird. Today is the weird. But uh, how did, how was everybody's Thanksgiving? I mean, I was with you guys. So I said, yeah. So uh, it was pretty swell. That's yeah. I was beating around. We were all together for Thanksgiving. That's what we do. We we like spending Thanksgiving together. Yeah, we. I mean, mine. So we <laughs> just have a podcast Thanksgiving, and it's just the three of us in our dark room. <laughs> <laughs> we sat at each other and... and I'm eating turkey. I'm just like mm. just Chris. He's the, the only turkey. one. Turkey. Yeah. Smacking my legs. Well, divorced. I was still sick, so it was nice to see you guys, but I wasn't feeling my best. But yeah. I'm feeling a lot better now, so that's good. Good. Yeah, the sickness hit our Christina during the holidays, which is like it sucks enough to get sick. But it really sucks when you get sick during the holidays. Yeah. I have I have a history of getting sick over the holidays, though, honestly. When I was a kid, I used to get, like, stomach viruses every holiday. <laughs> oh, but, man. That's the worst. Yeah. Well, this time it was the flu. <sighs> Everybody's in there just eating their ham and mashed potatoes, and you're in, you're in the bedroom just smelling it and wanting to but... die. Or not smelling it. Rather. <laughs> or not smelling it. It's just like yeah, this time this. not this time not smelling it. But yeah, I'm a lot better now. Good. Um, so James has a story today. Yes, yeah, yeah. he oh, well, does. First, what, what are we drinking today? I'm drinking water because it's twelve o'clock in it's <laughs> noon. It's way too. And I, I mean, like we record these episodes beforehand, and sometimes we'll record them on the weekends. Or in the evenings, but we're recording this smack dab mm-hmm. in the middle of the week at noon. So my ass is drinking H2O. Well, I committed, but but I was trying to figure out how to be creative about it because it's like I don't I don't drink at noon. Like I'm usually drinking something caffeinated at noon. So it's like, okay, how can I have my cake and eat it too? So what I did was I made an Earl Grey old fashioned. So I, I made some. I made some Earl Grey uh, infused syrup and then used that as sort of a makeshift, you know, customized simple syrup for the old fashioned. And so I've got my drink, but it's also got some it's also got some black tea in it for the for the caffeine. So I'm I'm cheating. How's it taste? That's good. That's a good question. I've, I've done it a couple of times with varying results. But today, the day is a pass. He did it. <laughs> it, it worked well cool yeah that usually, sounds fancy usually just get my caffeine and booze i just boring and i do bourbon and coke but you got fancy <laughs> big shocker well, my, there my wife was out of town a couple of weekends ago so i needed something to do so i was like well i'll teach i'll teach myself how to make some fancy syrup because you can you make the syrup and then put it in like a jar seal the jar in your fridge and it's going to last you for like you know a good while so the syrup's I, gonna stretch over many a drink now i'm wondering if like all those times that captain macabre was like oh gray hot it was actually like booze infused mm-hmm. earl gray because he's like <laughs> i'm not flying this ship super <laughs> <laughs> you are the bitch number one well i'm on my lunch break so i'm drinking a lacroix sparkling water it's pomplumous 
ever back in the 90s watched that show Forever Night? It was like the vampire. It was like a vampire cop show. Well, his the guy who made the main characters. If the show was about Nicholas Knight of eight hundred year old vampire who is trying to, I don't know, save his soul and and redeem himself for all the evil he did as a vampire, but his master was Lacroix. Lacroix. So anytime somebody's Uh like, "I'm drinking Lacroix," I just think of that show every single time. So the cross, huh? I guess. Ironic name for a vampire. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, take it away, James. Uh, Let's begin. Let's begin the weird. What did Rob say? What was that quote? Let the weird take you or? Yes, it was something like that. I could tell you off the top of my head had you not asked me. Well, you wouldn't tell me if I didn't ask. that's, That's how my brain works. I only remember things when I'm not required to remember them. We'll just we'll go ahead and assume it's something like let the weird take you. Take it away, James. Okay, so we had a after after I did the uh Ark of the Covenant Pew Pew Death Laser, uh we had we followed that up with a poll for listeners to choose the next topic for me to do. And uh you have spoken, listeners, and you have spoken in favor of uh Talking a bit more about that uh, mysterious Pyramid of Giza. See what's up with that. Woo-hoo! How about that pyramid? How about <laughs> how about that Giza? Let's uh, let's talk about that Giza right there. Yeah. So if you're listening, if you've been assuming you're not, you know, binging our podcast all at once, and you've been listening to these uh, as they come out, it's probably been a hot minute since you've heard the Ark of the Covenant. It's been a hot minute since I did the Ark of the Covenant. So uh, let's do a quick little recap about what we talked about and how it led into this. Last time on Little Podcast of Horrors. (laughs) Last time. So, Pyramid of Giza. It's one of the remaining seven wonders of the world. How come it's a big old fancy pyramid serving as a tomb, but it's got no bodies in it? No one's in there. Why is that? Great question. Yeah. So the, the pyramid was built for Pharaoh Khufu, but uh, as previously stated, Khufu ain't there. Khufu that you do so well. Yeah. Uh, so not only is Khufu's body not there, nor is anyone else's body there, there's not, no treasure there either. You know how the pharaohs like to get buried with their bling. Did, did they find Khufu elsewhere, or has he yet to be found? I didn't follow that rabbit hole, so I don't know. That's a good question. But he's not in the Pyramid of Giza that he had built because the Pyramid of Giza is not a tomb. It's an electrical power plant. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. So um, some notable things about how this pyramid's built uh, in lieu of us now knowing it's an electrical power plant, obviously. It's covered in limestone, which is a great insulator. Its tunnels are lined with granite, which is an electrical conductor. And it was topped with a gold capstone. Gold supposedly being one of the most conductive materials on Earth. Mm. And if you happen to recall, uh, the reason this came up in the Ark of the Covenant discussion is that the king's chamber where you're supposed to find, you know, a Khufu corpse, um, which has no such Khufu corpse. Instead, it only had one thing in there, a hole, a hole that was shaped exactly the same as the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, we talked a little bit about, when we closed on that last episode, about this dude named George Wilhelm Lichtenberg, who opined that perhaps the Ark was a Leyden jar. And then I I went into what exactly is Leyden jar is. And if you happen to recall, it's basically just a ye old timey makeshift electric making doohickey. Make some Mm -hmm. electricity in a jar. 
the poor man's way is what a Leyden jar is. So 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 Lichtenberg concluded that you know maybe the Ark was a Leyden jar powering the Great Pyramid. So then in the late 1800s, uh, if you happen to recall, this British inventor by the name of Sir William Siemens, who Chris loved referring to by name. <laughs> oh Siemens, yeah. Siemens and his boys. Claimed, Siemens and his boys swimming along, trying to find <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. Well, they didn't swim, they climbed. These Siemens climbed. Sometimes you gotta climb, man. Siemens and his boys climbed to the tippy top of the Great Pyramid of Giza. And uh he brought with him a makeshift Leyden jar. And if you happen to remember, the boy done got zapped when he whipped that Leyden jar out at the top of the, the pyramid. <laughs> so so some, some electrifying happened. Some electrifying semen happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, so we followed all of those converging points to reach the conclusion that uh, the Ark of the Covenant at one point powered the Great Pyramid of Giza. And so here we are today. Yay. So first of all... The end. Before... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and there's nothing more to say about it. So before we talk about uh, the, the pyramid specifically, I just want to say a quick thing about the idea of ancient tech in general. Uh, so... What you a friend pointed out when I was talking about planning this episode that uh kind of one of the problems with uh, a lot of the ancient aliens you know theories and stuff is uh you know maybe albeit unintentionally but it tends to it has a little bit of lighting of a little touch of racism if you will because because uh, mm-hmm. if you think about it you know if we look about uh you know when we're talking about ancient ancient people not only are we talking about people you know before uh before the enlightenment but also uh usually on the other side of the planet from here in the you know great united states america and uh they tend to be a bit bit of brown folks so when we hear about ancient brown people having ancient tech we tend to go nah we get that i think a better explanation would it be more likely aliens (laughs) yes uh, i always think about that on ancient aliens not necessarily the racist aspect. That's actually a really good point. But I've always been like, why do we give them no credit? Like, we just have to strip them of all credit. And it has to be aliens. It has but... to be aliens. <laughs> so so I'm happy that makes a lot of report. sense. I'm happy to report that there are no ancient aliens to be found uh, in this telling of the story. Uh, and this one, the uh, th- this is some legit ancient tech that some ancient people figured out on their own. No, no ETs assistance required sorry so, uh, elliot as... <laughs> so as an example uh that i want to reference is um so one of the sources i, I referenced for this was a, a site called the universe inside you and uh they they put out a, i think it's a rather good argument that perhaps intellectual humanity's intellectual evolution isn't linear so uh that rather there's likely some lost tech out there Hold perhaps on. we had some jump some jumps for the tech got lost in whatever war of the moment this was called the universe inside you yes stop it <laughs> i'm just saying my the autobiography now let me put my universe inside you well, i mean that's why i learned about semen so anyway uh i think that's a pretty pretty good argument and it fits with what we're talking about today. So, as a as a as another example of uh, some uh, really interesting example, and I kind of want to dive into this on its own later. If there's more to be learned about it, there's this thing called the Baghdad Battery, uh, aka the Parthion Battery. Um, and I, I posted a picture in in our chat. Uh, if you want to take a look, see, and we could post it on our Instagram and elsewhere as well. But uh, the Baghdad battery, so named because it was found in Baghdad, uh, it's a combination of three artifacts found in Iraq in 1934. The three artifacts consisted of a ceramic pot, a tube of copper, and a rod of iron. The three, when the three artifacts are combined 
and again, the picture is a really good reference for this. When you combine the three artifacts uh, with acid uh, as a kind of a conductive element, uh, or rather, you could combine the you combine the three with acid to make a battery, an ancient battery, basically. Uh, somebody has replicated kind of the general concept on their own. Uh, they did it with grape juice. So there's the, this is a at least in my opinion, this is a pretty compelling argument that somebody actually whipped up a ye old battery over you there. You said grape juice? Time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to be like. Oh. Wow. Okay, grape juice. Yeah, so it's pretty impressive that, you know, there is a electric conducting battery built because uh, these artifacts are more than 2,000 yeah. years old. So that, that's a good long wow. time before, uh, yeah. before anybody flew a kite, if you will. So, Long so before I, Benjamin Franklin. Right. right. <laughs> so no Martians, no Martians involved. This is just, you know, people in Baghdad figuring it out on their own. Just being All right. super smart. Being super smart. Smarter than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> right. I can't I can't Dude. build any batteries with anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. No. I buy them. Half the time I'm buying the wrong ones and I'm like, what about this fit? Right? Oh, that's the <laughs> wrong size battery right there. That's a triple A. I need a double A. I definitely so did that- almost break my thermostat by inserting the batteries in incorrectly. <laughs> like it started smoking. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> no genius over here. Oh, I should say, I meant to say this earlier. I should say as a as a uh, obvious disclaimer. I'm neither an archaeologist or an electrical engineer, so I can't speak to the veracity of any of the claims. Wait, what? Made in this episode, because hell if I know. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so anyway, I, I bring up the Baghdad battery just to kind of lay a foundation that there's a there is there is some good arguments out there for some ancient tech. So with that in mind, let's talk about Giza. Yeah, let's talk about that Giza. So the pyramid was built uh, around. 2560 BCE under Khufu. Uh, Khufu was pharaoh of Egypt's old kingdom. And a uh, side note, Khufu himself, like apparently his life and his death both are like chock full of their own mysteries to follow. So he, he could potentially be an episode of himself. Uh, Herodotus, a contemporary at the time, portrayed Khufu as cruel and oppressive, so he was a bit of a jerk. Who would think? Who would have thought that? Egyptian pharaohs, they're all such nice folks, you know, with their slaves. and Right, because uh, our pal Khufu, uh, uh, he used 20,000 workers a day. Yeah. Build the Dang. Uh, actually, I, w- I wanted to make a point not to say because it's 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 kind of a uh, knee jerk nowadays to say like when Khufu, for Khufu built the pyramid of Giza, it's like no, he didn't. It's like all the all the slaves and dudes he whipped into building it. They they built it. So like saying like you know giving Elon Musk you know credit for building Teslas. The guy haven't hasn't built a car in his life. Oh right, yeah. So, but yeah, twenty thousand workers a day, a day. To build this sucker. Uh, even with that in mind, historians do not know exactly when, if I'm not mistaken, but more importantly, how it was built. That's why it's one of the seven wonders. We just it doesn't really make sense how it was pulled off that long ago. So an interesting thing, and I kind of mentioned it in passing a moment ago, the pyramid is full, like chock full of all of these angled tunnels running throughout it that lead both into the pyramid and also deep underground underneath the pyramid so uh it, it's it's quite the maze in and down under it and uh to this day a lot uh, of those tunnels are yet to be explored some of them have but a lot remain untouched so khufu uh, could still be in one of these chambers possibly. sure i guess that they just shoved them in a tunnel well, they did that a lot. Like I, from what little I remember of uh, art history in college, I, we did, we talked a lot of, we, we we spent a long time talking about like the necropolis and the pyramids of Giza and like inner chambers and, 
you know, like they would build multiple because they were worried about grave robbing. Yeah. And so they would build like, from what I remember, a lot of these different, like they would build like a lot of chambers to kind of throw off grave robbing. Yeah. And they're, um, they're still finding chambers and uh, if not chambers, just generally hollow spots uh, inside the pyramid. Like just recently they've found another one. So uh, there's a lot yet to be discovered within and around Giza. So why does a tomb need a whole maze of underground tunnels? Why, why, why do you think that? I'm guessing maybe to hide their treasures. As a great robbing thing. Like I said, they're probably worried about grave robbers because they're like, we're putting all this bling here in the damn desert. People are going to come and take it. We got to make it hard for them. Well, that's, that's obviously not it, but I think that's oh, a good guess. Thanks. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You know You're, what we're talking about today. You, o- you obviously don't know no jack shit, Chris. Shut <laughs> up. So, so, excuse me. So uh, another interesting little factoid about this tomb, it had 20-ton doors that would swivel open at the mere at the mere push of the hand. Just some impressive engineering. I'd say 20 ton doors that you could easily just open. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Damn. Now, what's weird about that, other than, you know, they're 20 tons you could easily push open, is uh, Egyptian tombs aren't typically built to be particularly accessible. Uh, Think about this as like a, you know, this would be like not burying grandma's coffin so you could keep opening it to check in every so often. Hey, grandma. I love you. <laughs> kiss, kiss. Oh, shit. Her na- her nose fell off. Somebody, Jethro, get the super glue. So, yeah, why would you have swiveling doors on a tomb? It's like you put the body in, you seal it, you're done. Why, why have this in and out stuff going on? That's All true. Right. You might want to, like, make them harder to open if it is to deter grave robbers, huh? Right? Yeah, it seems more like, come on in, sit down a while, check out the corpse of Khufu. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Push those 20 door, twenty ton doors open, sit that ass down, put on some bling. So, um, the as I mentioned earlier, the pyramid had a bunch of limestone, right? So more specifically, the pyramid used to be, and is no longer, covered in light, polished limestone. Uh, let's say refer to as casing stones. What's interesting about this limestone outer covering, the stones were cut perfectly so as to make it so as to make the overall surface look both flat and smooth to the touch. Which if you think about cutting stone, especially like back then, that's no small feat, especially for an entire pyramid surface, right? Uh, this also had the fact of making this outer layer of the pyramid highly reflective and particularly insulating. Then he gets up in the morning, they're all like, this is my beautiful new house. And then they're building the the Pyramid of Giza and it's like every morning now, it's just like blaring sun reflected back. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. (laughs) Okay, how many many people were just cooked during the construction of that that thing? (laughs) Damn you, Kufu! fried. Had a beautiful view oh, they of had the desert. <laughs> so uh, you might notice that it's no longer covered in limestone. And that's because in 1303, there was a big earthquake. And uh, that earthquake earthquake wrecked the limestone. So what remained was just removed for reuse and other things. They reused and recycled the limestone. Wait, so what is it now? Wait. So the whole stones weren't made of limestone? It was just like the outer covering? Yeah, it was like an outer covering. So now, if you look at it today, it looks more like a normal pyramid and not a bling pyramid. Okay. Okay. Bling pyramid. (laughs) It's the bling pyramid. Khufu's getting down with it. So, so again, returning to the question, this thing's supposed to be a tomb. What is the deal with all this reflection and insulation? Why would you want a tomb of bling? Are you trying to keep the mummies snug and warm inside? 
Maybe Kufu was just trying to start at like a dance club, you know? It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Let's go down to Kufu's, you know? Let's kick it. Yeah, man. That Pharaoh, man, he's got some moves, dude. Maybe we're going about this wrong. Maybe when my time comes, I should just have instructions to have myself entombed in a mausoleum and the mausoleum have a big disco ball in the roof. There you go. You change your raves. You change your funeral ideas all the time. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many great ones. There are. Like, but we're not gonna know what to do when you die. We're just gonna be like, (laughs) do we we put him in a tomb with a disco ball? Do we set him on fire? (laughs) While hoisting him over the coffin, Do so we a weekend at Bernie's thing. Yeah. Like oh vacation. yeah, yeah, definitely the weekend at Bernie's thing. Yeah. Do we book him a <laughs> flight and then like put him in an Aquaman costume and then throw him out? Yes. In the <laughs> traffic. Yes. All of the above. So anyway, back to back to our maze of tunnels. Those tunnels were lined with granite that I referenced earlier. And as I mentioned about conductivity, uh, granite is apparently a wee bit radioactive. Not like, you know, give yourself chemotherapy radioactive, just a wee bit. Just harmless a wee enough. bit, okay. Yeah. So granite, uh, if if my sources be trusted, because I'm no <laughs> rockologist, <laughs> granite includes in its composition a bit of quartz and metal which is a good conductor of, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, piezoelectricity. Now, I don't mean a piezoelectricity. I'm not being Italian. <laughs> and I don't mean pizza electricity. That's an entirely different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I actually pulled up an explanation of it. Uh, so piezo- piezoelectricity is basically, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way piezoelectricity works in layman's terms is basically there are certain materials out there that if you put a lot of pressure on them, they will generate electricity. Oh, okay. So, uh, so, um, uh, it's similar with the the dolomite that I mentioned. So, so dolomite, the the pyramid is also constructed as a dolomite and it's a similar, you you add some pressure, you get some electricity. Uh, so, for example, I didn't know this, but this is why you can charge wristwatches that have quartz in them by shaking them. Oh, what? That's neat. Oh, wow. That's that's piezoelectricity at work. That's cool. I should, I should have given another disclaimer. We're gonna have some science lessons today, kids. Science. This is the first of a number of them. Technology, so, uh, industry. <laughs> Shaking things things and making them work. Oh man, you have forgotten your MST3K quiz. No, no, no. I was changing it. I know. I remember. I mean, it's science, (laughs) technology, industry, men screwing things in and adjusting them. Yes, exactly. Okay, so granite uh, also ionizes the air, which further increases conductivity. We've got a lot of components that do a lot of things with electricity going on in this pyramid. So. All this to say, all this stuff going on with the materials. So when electrons are granted the means to pass rock, you know, via metal wires or whatever, you can get a lot of electricity moving. You got pressure on rocks, you're running electricity past them. You, you got some you got some power going. So the pyramids, various stones are held together by half a million tons of mortar uh we cannot figure out to this day how exactly they pulled that off the way that they did it but the result is that makes all those stones even stronger and very resistant to high pressure wow so to put all this together (laughs) you take limestone you take some dolomite you, you take some granite you put it all together you get a lot of what is essentially some pressure-resistant cabling, if you will. So, uh, another fun fact on this note. Uh, if you look at satellite pictures of the pyramid, uh, two things that you notice. One is that the pyramid actually has eight sides. Uh, 
it, if you're looking at it like on the ground, it looks like it has four, like any old pyramid, but it's got mm-hmm. some some extra very subtle angles uh, in there that if you're looking at it from you know way up on high, you can tell it's actually technically got eight sides. Oh, but more more importantly, satellites have picked up uh, infrared images image, images 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 <laughs> showing that show weird heat spots throughout the pyramid uh like google pyramid of giza heat spots you'll get like dozens of pictures of this it's weird oh so uh back to the tunnels a fourth century philosopher by the name of i'm gonna try to pronounce this (laughs) iamblichus visited the tunnels and he wrote and i quote we came to a chamber when we entered, it became automatically illuminated by light from a tube being the height of one man's hand and thin, standing vertically in the corner. As we approached the tube, it shone brighter. The slaves were scared and ran, ran away in the direction from which we had come. When I touched it, it went out. We made every effort to get the tube to glow again, but it would no longer provide light. So it just started to glow when they first walked in, and then it stopped. Yeah, like a am touch I, light bulb. Right, or you touch it to turn it off, I guess, or or to break it. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this is the fourth century. So keep in mind that this guy has no idea of what a light bulb is, Maybe but he like, just mm-hmm. essentially described what is a light bulb. Anybody clap? It's like Egyptians, like clap on, mm-hmm. clap off, the clapper. No, you have to dance like an Egyptian for that to work. Dance like an Egyptian. Walk. You have to walk like an Egyptian. That's oh, that's song. right. You have to walk like an Egyptian. Walk like an Egyptian. That's a good song. So, so the reason I was saying that, no, oh, well, the tunnels were obviously not for hiding Khufu. Come on, those tunnels I'm are sorry. basically your electrical wiring. Obviously, yeah. So all the various tall things in the era area. So if you think about where where if you think about where Giza is, there's a bunch of other tall things around it. So you got mm-hmm. various monuments, obelisks, etc. Those that could have been receivers, and we're going to talk about that in a bit of detail later on. So, uh, bu- 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 oh yeah. So I said, you know, they're still finding chambers, like uh, as recently as March. So uh, the latest I know of is they found another chamber like March of this year, this year of our Lord 2023. Among these various chambers that are being discovered to this day, one particular chamber of notes uh, has been called the Queen's Chamber. So in 1993, a research team sends this little bit of camera uh down to explore the tunnels because a lot of these tunnels you're not going to be you either aren't fitting through them or you really don't want to if you have yeah so they send a little a little bit of camera down the tunnels so it finds it goes it goes through these yet to be explored tunnels and lo and behold it finds a mysterious stone door with a metal handle now, uh, other sources, there, there isn't, there's some disagreement on what we're calling a handle. So, so another source referenced it as just a, some metal set with, or some metal pin set within the door. Oh, okay. So, uh, may or may not be a handle depending on, on whose opinion you're referencing. But nonetheless, it's the only metal found in the entire pyramid is, is in this giant mysterious stone door in the middle of nowhere tunnel. That you're mm-hmm. only accessing it with a camera. So that was weird. So um, this is where, you know, talking about talking about these these um, let's say fringe topics, if you will. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 uh, if you ever do this on your own, kids, cross check your sources. It's really important <laughs> because if you single out a source and just go by it, you're going to get some weird stuff. So one point of disagreement, for example, was um, some of the sources I referenced called this, you know, this door that they found, like the Queen's Chamber itself. 
but that's not correct. Uh, the Queen's Chamber proper is actually 63 meters away. I guess close enough, whatever. But um, uh, which is that 63. So the camera bot traveled down the tunnel 63 meters away from the Queen's Chamber to find the stone door. So, and uh, if I remember, if I remember the images correctly, it's like you can only get, like, you can only access this tunnel from the Queen's Chamber, and that tunnel only goes to this mysterious room. So that's like the only path from Queen's Chamber to mysterious room. Okay. That's as far as they get in 1993. But in 2002, another team shows up, this time with a robot equipped with a drill, and they drill through the door. Beyond the door, they find a small chamber, and that chamber is blocked by a large backing stone. Not an easy room to get into. So uh, at the time, Egypt's Minister of State, uh, or rather the Minister of State for Antiquities, uh, a dude by the name of Zahi Hawass, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he referred to these doors as the last great mystery of the pyramid. Fast forward again, 2011, round three. Another, yet another team shows up and they use a micro snake camera and they get further through and they find red hieroglyphs in the room that featured symbols and diagrams or what one might say are instructions and a wiring diagram. <gasps> no way. What? Do we have pictures of these? Uh, I, I don't, but I do believe I saw some while I was reading through this stuff. So oh we, my we gosh. need to double check and see if we can grab those. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, now mind you, I don't expect that they're going to be particularly good pictures. Cause it's not like they could send a photographer in there. It's, it's a little snake cam doing the work. Sure. Yeah. But still that's exciting. Yeah. We got ourselves a wired diagram. So let's, let's tie these two episodes together again. So we have a pyramid with a hidden room, a well-secured hidden room, with a wiring, electrical wiring diagram, with another room that's missing a corpse and instead had an Ark of the Covenant-shaped hole. Okay, so remember how I said in the pre in my previous episode how God gave Moses instructions like detailed instructions on exactly how to build the ark and not only the ark but the tabernacle around it yes like yeah. ikea like ikea instructions yes the, the holy ikea instructions and also remember i cited this theory that perhaps moses and his boys stole the ark from egypt on their way out so this all comes together to suggest that the Great Pyramid of Giza was just a giant old electrical plant. The Ark of the Covenant being its big old battery. And it even had Ikea wiring instructions in one of its chambers. And Moses just heisted it all on his way out of Egypt. And then said God gave it to him. Later, suckers. Good job building that whole big thing for nothing. Now, at least from the sources I was looking at, supposedly actual real deal Egyptologists, they claim that just the room serves no purpose. It's just there. Big door and all. For no reason. Okay. Just for funsies. Yeah. <laughs> Suspicious science. <laughs> Very suspicious. I think that's another word for conspiracy theorists. All right. So now let's talk real quick about the Serapeum of Saqqara. So the Serapeum of Saqqara is near Giza. I really thought he said Sarah Palin. The Sarah Palin of Saqqara. <laughs> she got around both time and space, apparently. Now the the, the Serapeum is how you pronounce this. Of of Saqqara is near Giza, hence why it's relevant. Uh, it's located in Memphis, not Tennessee. It's, it, we're talking. We're still in Egypt. 
and it's part <laughs> of the larger. It's part. It, it's no Elvis sightings. Uh, the 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 Serapium is part of the largest Saqqara necropolis. So Saqqara, so, Saqqara is like this big old necropolis. Which prior to this, by the way, I never thought I never thought about necropolises. Isn't that a crazy thing? Like just a big old necropolis. That'd be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was all built around 1300 BCE by Ramses II, and by Ramses II, I mean like all his slaves and folks. Sure. And it was later discovered in 1850 by Auguste Mariette uh, upon finding the heel of a sphinx that was poking out from the desert dunes. Nice. So once uncovered, they found that this uh, necropolis uh, and the seraphim within it features this entire maze of tunnels. But what's really interesting is that these various tunnels are home to 25 large granites. Remember, granites coming into play again. Large granite sarcophagi. Each sarcophagus is 70 to 100 tons. And each one has about a 30-ton lid. Whoa. That's some big damn coffins. Right. Why would you want coffins that big? Well, the answer is uh, holy bulls, if you will. Holy bulls? <laughs> bulls. bulls. Male cows. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Like, okay. This is where her, this is. This is where my own allergies are sabotaging my episode today. So the um, <laughs> so the the full necropolis itself is actually full of like various catacombs, and they had burial vaults for various kind of animals. Uh, but most so most of these uh, sarcophagi, these boxes, are most are made primarily of rose granite from five hundred miles away. Okay. Oh, that's uh, a trick. And, right. And uh, and it also includes uh, diorite, that's from even further away. Now, if you if you look back to some of the pictures I posted in our chat, uh, the what's interesting about these boxes, these sarcophagi, they are built extremely precise in terms of geometry. So so the the pictures that I'm looking at uh, show some dudes with some some 90 degree you know triangle yeah. rulers like showing like these are perfect the corners are like perfect precise 90 degree angles. So this is this is some precision geometry with some some really big material. Not an easy task. Science geometry. <laughs> Uh, so obviously each box is too big and too heavy to transport through the tunnels. How'd they get there? I mean, one just getting it there, period, is one thing, but getting it through tunnels? Come on, come on. Well, they when they maybe they built it around it or uh, well, even 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 if they did transporting the the raw materials. I mean, those tons. Yeah, that's tons. nuts. I mm. Uh, so, and what makes it crazier is the sarcophagi. The sarcophagi are built into the tr- structure itself, so, oh. so part of the architecture. That's just I can't even fathom. You know what else you can't fathom? They're almost perfectly flat within a ten thousandth of an inch. Whoa! Flat. So, as you may have surmised, the coffins are too large for people. Um, archaeologists came to the conclusion that they were for, I said, holy bulls. Um, more precisely, the sacred bulls of Apus. Apus? Not, per- not sure how you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. A-P-U-S. Uh, the Apus cult. So, these bulls were considered to be manifestations of the god Ptah. P-T-A-H. Maybe it's Ta. Maybe the P is silent. I like Ptah. And every, time, they, and, the, and every time and every time the god appears, he goes. <laughs> so okay, so giant, giant sarcophagus for a giant bull, 
and not just any old bull, but a bull that's representing this deity. Okay, this makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, except, it's a Kapika for the giant bull Pata. <laughs> except plot twist, they got some of the sarcophagi open. To do so, they had to blow open the lid with gunpowder to see what was inside. Yeah, that's how nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna go wrong underground doing shit <laughs> like that. We'll be fine. Safely, nothing did. I guess they knew what they were doing. But uh, <laughs> once they took a look, see inside the sarcophagus, no bulls, no nothing. Yes, not a. them. So, why bother for that much granite? Remember, we're talking five hundred miles away. Why go to that much trouble for a bunch of empty tombs? Because. I, whatever you were going to say in answer, I bet it wasn't this. <laughs> because a box made completely of granite <clears throat> makes for a great capacitor, <laughs> battery, if you will. In fact, any blemishes in the granite structure would have potentially interrupted a magnetic field, hence the precise flatness and geometry oh <laughs> this is really weird so hence its relevance coming into play with yeah. the the pyramid of giza because the the pyramid of giza is not standalone this is what i'm getting to the pyramid of giza is not a standalone thing when it comes to all this uh, electricity goings on if you will so one of the pictures that you have up here, it, they're like measuring the, they're showing the precision of the corners, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 90 degree angles. On the wall, it shows like five lines on that wall. Did, is there any theory behind what those lines were, were about? Because I feel like that could be an interruption to your capacitor. Right? I have no idea. Um, I mean, the lines are also precise, though, so maybe they were... Yeah. I don't know. Let's make some stuff up. Maybe they were forgetting... Let's the make it up. That. <laughs> <laughs> it was to provide a path for electricity to follow. Because electricity okay. is like water, right? That's how it works. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so that's also, crazy. Also <laughs> nearby is uh, the sexy, sexy Hathor Temple. Which is also relevant to all this, to all these electricity shenanigans. So the Hathor Temple is one of the most well-preserved temples of ancient Egypt, and it's located in the Dendera Temple Complex in Kena, Q E N A. You can visit it, and I really want to now after reading about this. You can go there, see it for yourself. Yeah. The, the main temple of this complex was built by. Uh, Ptolemy the Twelfth, and by Ptolemy the Twelfth, I mean his 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 slaves and suckers that he roped into this, mm -hmm. and it was almost finished under the reign of Cleopatra the Seventh. Yes, uh, so this is to say, in number terms, between fifty four to twenty BCE. Some of the temples of the complex actually date as far back as twenty five hundred BCE. Oh. So the reason I say the sexy, sexy Hathor temple is Hathor is the sky goddess of sexual love, nice. fertility, <laughs> music, and dancing. This is uh, a nightclub. That's it. <laughs> it's a nightclub. Come on down to Hathor's. Get your groove on, baby. <laughs> So uh, we we may also uh, someone also add uh, birth and motherhood to her resume. Uh, she is often regarded as the counterpart to Horus. Uh, Hathor actually translates into House of Horus. Oh, so this temple complex has There's some Horus in this house. There's a Horus in this house. Oh, another T-shirt idea. <laughs> So the complex has seen a lot over the centuries. Um, it has fallen under the rule of the Egyptians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And in fact, at one point, there was a Coptic church once called uh, that once called the place home. 
So, you know, they, they had to go and build a Coptic church on top of the on top of the rave. So so why is the sexy, sexy Hathor temple important, you might ask? And I would answer because it's home of the Dendera light bulb. So of note, if you want to see this for yourself, and you can because you go you can go there, and I really want to. But note, you kind of need to be in a little bit of shape. Because to see it yourself, you're going to have to get on your hands and knees and maybe do some crawling. It's down this really no. steep staircase. No. <laughs> Excuse me. I will not be doing that. <laughs> you don't want, but, but you got to see the light bulb. <laughs> so it's it's this really steep staircase. And uh, apparently you'll bump your head if you don't go down it, knees and elbows, and just back your way in. No, like that. So, Fuck that. Yeah, that sounds. But I mean, the risk you you the risk is is your own to take. I'm just saying. That sounds like a claustrophobic nightmare. Mm-hmm. So this two thousand year old temple, uh, it features, uh, aside from the the you know Bagan rave, uh, it features an underground crypt with carved images, and I will direct the two of you's eyes to our chat again. Uh, which we will share with the rest of you on our Instagram and et cetera. Uh, it features underground crypt with carved images depicting a tube that looks like a light bulb. And more specifically, uh, it looks to essentially be a Leyden jar for all intents and purposes. Uh, and I will uh, I, I will point your attention to earlier in this episode when I talked about I, 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 that Iamblichus, that fourth that fourth century philosopher who found the mysterious light. Yeah. Okay. This image that looks like a light bulb is complete with a wire inside the light bulb, you may notice, and a box serving as a receiver. So by the way, speaking of Horus. Just to the right of our little bulb in that picture, well, the the picture is just a bulb, but if if you're in there yourself in person and you turned right, uh, you would see the most detailed depiction of Horus that has yet been unearthed. Just fun fact. Cool. Uh, Also on the wall across from the carving is a similar carving that appears to be so another light bulb if you will and this light bulb appears to be aimed toward a suspiciously reptile looking dude now see i thought he looked kind of like a cat or something i agree i mean reptiles (laughs) don't have little kitty tails like that again y'all listeners you're gonna have to do some homework and check out our instagram (laughs) yeah Kitty cat, lizard, whatever. So his face, his I, face. I am kind of interested in the theory of the cat people running the world. That would explain yeah. why things get as weird as they do. Because, I mean, if you've had cats. I don't know, man. His face looks like a frog. <laughs> so it's Kerbits. It might be. <laughs> Proto Kerbits. It's not easy ruling Egypt. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's start to wrap this all up. So so we've got we've got the the Hathor Temple, we've got the Serapeum of Sakaura, and we have both of these near the Pyramid of Giza. All of these things seem to be built with the potential to do some elect- electrical nonsense. Electrical nonsense. So let's circle back to the original question. Uh, Ark of the Covenant aside, how is the Pyramid of Giza powered? Uh, mm-hmm. What are some possible alternate non-arc-related explanations? So, because because to this point, everything I've described, I've given you infrastructure. Yeah. I've, I've, I've described all of this electrical infrastructure, but we still need a catalyst to make the sparks fly. Yeah, we, we got to generate some electricity to run through all of this stuff. Didn't you say so, the top? Didn't you say the top was made of gold? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. We're gonna. Yeah. We're we're gonna come back to that. Okay. Uh, so one theory, as I mentioned, was that the Ark of the Covenant served as the battery. So that was powering the whole complex. 
uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant being in the Keen's Chamber, and the Keen's Chamber having that suspiciously arc-shaped hole. Nothing else. Okay. Good news for an alternative explanation. The region, as you may know, is full of rivers and aquifers all doing a physio-electricity thing. Think of dams. You know, hy- hydroelectricity, if you will. Say hydropower. And at that time in history, apparently, supposedly, allegedly, the Nile passed right by the pyramids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because so it wasn't always a desert like that. Apparently. Apparently. I, I don't know my geographical history to confirm or deny, but apparently. So the water would travel up the limestone doing some capillary action, if you will. Which, uh, by capillary action, I mean when part of a thing gets wet, then the water is absorbed into the the entire thing. Think of a sponge. Or like uh, water moving up a straw in defiance of gravity. Water, therefore, travels up the limestone of the pyramid and gets absorbed. As the water goes up to the top of the pyramid, the tunnel's quartz, remember the granite by nature includes some quartz, mm-hmm. the tunnel's quartz gets some pressure, some piezoelectricity, and boom, piezoelectricity. Again, not to be confused with pizza electricity, it's a whole different thing. So the generated electricity moves throughout the entire pyramid. And I, sh- and, and I included a picture of a nice blue glowy pyramid as, as an illustration. Yeah. Y'all. So yeah, electricity is moved all throughout the pyramid toward the top, the peak to the capstone, which as Chris reminded us was gold. So we think, it, well, at least we think it may have been gold. We don't know for sure, supposedly, mm-hmm. but gold would have directed the energy upwards into the ionosphere also allegedly with that mind the pyramid and i really want to see some more details on this because i'm really curious about this point but supposedly the pyramid is geographically located at an exact point (laughs) excuse me at an exact point that magnifies the planet's electromagnetic forces where talia recurrence is strongest and I say that with a question in my voice, because the, the video I was watching in one of my references that talked about this specifically didn't have a uh, written script that I could find, but it sounded like they were saying Talia recurrence. And then I went Googling for like, what's a Talia recurrence? You couldn't find Jack. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's something they made up. Maybe it's nonsense, whatever. But all this to say, it's at a, at a pristine point for some electric from planetary electromagnetic forces being happy electricity being hydro generated moves up the pyramid to the capstone shoots into the ionosphere so at this point all of this and the capstone shooting upward wireless electricity oh okay so if it's okay so if it's wireless electricity is it like like powering homes or like what the entire what's area. the power just it was a power plant. So it was wirelessly, and this is why we see electrical references and things in the surrounding stuff. Because the, there's, you know, like I was mentioning, the other like tall objects could be in receivers. But yeah, it's a wireless electricity power plant powering the entire area. That's I crazy. <laughs> I, think, I think I found it. Terateria. Or T-E-R-T-I-A-R-Y. Getting head of reoccurrence. Terateria or Terateri or something like that. So if any of you listeners uh, do a science, uh, <laughs> littlepodcasthorrors at gmail.com. Yes. Share us your science. Because I don't so, know. I'm not I mean, we, ha- we have to run electricity through all these wires and shit. But they wouldn't need that with this wire like it's like the wi-fi except it's their electricity well you know what yeah, that sounds yeah. you know what else that sounds like yeah do you know do you know go ahead go tesla ahead. 
So let's close this up and lead into a potential future episode. Another one. So Nikola Tesla was all about the pyramids in Egypt. This got his interest something fierce. So let's take a moment to talk about some Tesla. So September 1897, our boy Tesla files a patent based on his idea that at 30,000 feet altitude, a rarefied stratum of air could conduct high voltage currents. The patent involved a tower serving as a transmitter, sending millions of volts into the atmosphere. A device would then receive the electricity, then reduce the voltage so that people could safely use it. Then, in the final week, so that was patents in 1897. So fast forward to the final week of July and the year of our Lord, 1903. Tesla's neighbors said that they saw Tesla pull it off. Tesla said uh, he claimed that it lit up the sky, and this is quoting him directly. It lit up the sky as if it were a giant fluorescent tube. It's claimed he wirelessly transmitted both sounds and images using this. Oh. So he, he did some Wi-Fi. Unfortunately, none of this can be proven because all the evidence was very purposefully destroyed. The government confiscated all his stuff and they demolished the tower because they said, the government said, that tower was being used by German spies. So they had to tear it down. Uh-huh. So this could have been like free is is that kind of um, where uh, we're going with this like the government destroyed it because they can't make money off of it clean exactly. free energy alternating yep, yep, current yep. ac current <clears throat> yep, is this the same does. thing oh sorry i don't know go ahead i was gonna ask is this the same thing that they say caused the T- tunguska event or whatever Oh, in 1906, the uh, the Tunguska event. Um, no, they believe that was um, an asteroid that exploded. Oh. It was in Siberia. That was in Siberia. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, this tower that's now lost to history operated off of the same principles as the Pyramid of Giza. That is really cool. That is so neat. So, uh, so, so to bring this to a couple of final points. So, in 1905, he filed Tesla filed a patent titled "Art of Transmitting Electrical Energy Through the Natural Medium," which featured a design Tesla dubbed Tesla's Electromagnetic Pyramid. The plan: Tesla would build his own pyramid structure to shoot energy up into the atmosphere to be picked up by various receivers worldwide. Unlimited free energy for everyone everywhere. That is probably eco-friendly, like not, not fucking up the planet. Right? So it begs the question, was Tesla recreating the Ark of the Covenant powered pyramid of Giza? So in 1915, he published an article. This is really interesting. Uh, his article is named entitled The Wonder World to be Created by Electricity. In this article, Tesla said, and I quote, Moses was undoubtedly a practical and skillful electrician far in advance of his time. The Bible describes precisely and minutely arrangements constituent constituent constituting 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 what's the verb for that word arrangements doing a machine 
<laughs> in which <laughs> electricity was generated. <laughs> so Moses comes right back into the story here with Tesla. So why was all this shut down and lost to history? Fun fact. Tesla was financed by none other than J.P. Morgan, whose riches came from ironwork, gas. Oh, oil and gas. But that, Mm -hmm. folks, is another story. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. To be continued. Again. 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 (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was okay. Tesla. Moses and series the, here and the Egyptians and the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant. How do you always find these amazing connections? Because they're there to be found. They're there to be found. I didn't put them there. I just found them using the interwebs. <laughs> well, that was a good episode. Thank you, James. Yeah, Man. that was really interesting, dude. Hey, I first speak, I deliver. <laughs> You delivered well. My gosh, Nikola Tesla. So we ain't done yet. No, that's for the future. That's for the future. All righty. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please like, share. Um, If you have any stories you would like to submit that we could read online, excuse me, that we could read on air, you can always email us at littlepodcasthorrors at gmail.com. Check out our website at at www.littlepodcastofhorrors.com. And of course, you can te- check out all our socials, Facebook, hey, Twitter. Hey, hey, you want to you wanna give us money? You, you want to give us <laughs> money to your friend? Yeah, man. So $2 a month for friendship. <laughs> It'll get you access to our discord the little discord of gamers we play games but you don't have to be a gamer because we have episode talk spaces too we just chat about episodes whatever yeah and we're there and we hang out so two dollars a month you can join our discord uh that two dollars a month would be via patreon you can find a little podcast of horrors on patreon you can also just go to our site littlepodcastofhorrors.com and you'll find a link to the Patreon right there. It's all there. It's easy to find. Go for it. Easy, easy, rice and cheesy. <laughs> well, until then. Ma. Let, let, let the weird take you. <laughs> also that. Yeah, I guess that. Toodles. <laughs>